0: If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke. So, this month we are uh, talking about the gifts of Christmas. And you know, last week we looked at the gift of uh, Savior. That is the greatest gift that uh, the world has ever been given and that the world would ever know. Uh, But I'm thankful that not only does God give us the gift of salvation, the gift of a Savior, but oh, there's so many more gifts that he gives us. And we really could just spend uh, hours talking about how good and gracious God is in uh, giving gifts. And um, so, um, and I sure am thankful for that. So in the Gospel of Luke, uh, which, you know, there's, two direct places where the birth of Christ are recorded in uh, the Scriptures, once in Matthew and, and then the Gospel of Luke. Uh, so it's kind of limited for preachers at Christmas time. If we're going to preach the Christmas message because there's only two places to go. Uh, of course, we found the Gospel of John chapter 1 last week, uh, but we are going to look at uh, the Christmas story uh, from the Gospel of Luke. and We're going to read verses 8 through 14. Uh, this morning. It says, Now they were in the same country, shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be uh, to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And uh, you know, to bear with it, our technology on the screen is crazy. And then, uh, so you have your Bible, I hope, and can follow along uh, with us on that. Uh, here we've, the, the first uh, Seven verses record the the birth of Jesus, that they went to Bethlehem to be taxed, uh, you know, for the census uh, to be taken. Really, it was for them to go pay some taxes. You know how the government is. They do anything they can to get taxes out of you. Uh, and so uh, they went to Bethlehem. Everybody was, was there, so, you know, all the guest rooms were filled up, and they found this... Um, Really, it was a cave. We think of it as a barn, but it wasn't a barn like we think of it. Uh, It was more of a cave area, a hewned-out part of a mountain, probably, uh, where the livestock stayed. And that's where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords came in to this world. Certainly not as he deserved. He deserved a a palace and, and pageantry, and yet that's not what he got. And part of the reason, it wasn't by accident. It was part of God's plan. Uh, Because way back, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, through the prophets, God told us that the Savior was going to come. And in fact, God even told uh, the prophet where Jesus would be born. Not in Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, not in some big town, but in the little village of Bethlehem. And guess what? That's exactly where it took place. Now, without God's intervening through Caesar Augustus telling everybody to get to Bethlehem, Jesus would have been born in Nazareth. That's where Mary and Joseph lived. And yet they had to go to the city of the husband's birth. And so off they went to Bethlehem. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David. Uh, And so that's where they ended up. And a great reminder to us, and this isn't even part of the sermon, this is just free. That God's plan will always come to pass and there's nothing you can do to change it and there's nothing you can do all the fretting in the world is not going to change it and that's why we just have faith and trust in God knowing that things are going to work out the way that God wants them to but there's a great gift in knowing that God allows us to be a part of his plan we don't deserve that Uh, and yet one of the great things about being a child of God is the song that God gives us. You know, songs have always been important to, in the worship of God's people. We have pages and pages in our Bible. about go to the middle of the Bible, and on each side of the middle, you'll be in the book of Psalms, 150 of them. Pages and pages and pages of hymns. Countless scriptures where the Bible talks about people singing before the Lord. And we'll see some of those in in just a minute. But this most important song, the Christmas song, the first Christmas carol, not sung by angels, and it wasn't sung to kings. It it, It was sung by angels, but not to kings rather, and it was sung instead to lowly shepherds. And this was that great first Christmas carol. Glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill toward men. What a marvelous, wonderful song of praise. And so I want us to see that in this Christmas story that the Christmas carol that we find here in Luke chapter 2 is first of all a song of praise. See, one thing that, that God's people have always understood is even when you're in low times, even when you're in the valley, you still need to praise the Lord. There's still a lot to praise God for. Even when you don't see it, Even when it's missing its luster, or, you know, there's bad going all around us. And my goodness, we are seeing around our world just war and just crazy stuff. Last night, uh, people lost their lives in tornadoes in Tennessee and Kentucky, and countless people lost their homes from tornadoes. and, And my goodness, that's sad. And yet, even in the midst of all of that sadness, there's great joy because we have a hope. And it's not a hope that's in this world because everything in this world will one day cease to exist. Everything in this world breaks down, rots, decays, just stops working. And so if that's where your hope is, guess what? You don't have much. But if your hope is in God, you see, He's eternal. And He's going to last forever. And as the Christmas story tells us, God is in charge of it. Well, Caesar Augustus thought he was in charge, but he really was just a pawn in God's Christmas story. And so we find a song of praise. And I want to call your attention to some of the psalms, and particularly Psalm 98, verses 1 through 4. This is what it says. It says, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness, he has revealed in the sight of nations. He has remembered His mercy and His faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. And listen, there is... A lot to praise God about. And this is what we do, even when we have difficult things going around us. Maybe for some, this Christmas is going to be the first Christmas that they celebrate without a loved one. Maybe there are people that you know that have lost their job, and, and what a difficult time to, to for that to happen. Uh, Any time is a bad time for it to happen, but especially at Christmas. And yet, whatever bad is going on in our life, there's still the light of God. And there's still goodness because God is still good. And He's still holy. And He's still omnipotent. He's still all-powerful. And so the Christmas story reminds us that there is a song that God gives us to sing. And it is a gift. Because you see, yeah, there are a lot of Christmas carols that we sing, and I'm thankful that you know, this time of year we, we sing some of them here at our church, some in our hymn book. Can I tell you that there are people that are lost, that, that don't go to church, don't know God, that maybe don't even believe in God, that know some of those Christmas carols. And yet, for the child of God, Those songs have a meaning. And they're much deeper, aren't they? It's not just mere words. We sang that carol this morning. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Let us adore Him. Because He is worthy to be adored. He alone is worthy of our worship. And He's given us this great gift of song and this great song of praise. And so I want to remind us this Christmas that no matter what you're going through, through the good times and the bad and the difficult things that you'll face this Christmas, if you know God, there's a song of praise that should be in your heart. So that you can say, even when the storms are raging, like they were last night, kept me up late last night, with all that thunder and lightning. And yet, God is still God. And God is still good. And God still knows you. And God still wants you. And He's still God. He's still King of kings and Lord of lords. But the second thing we find in this Christmas story is not only the song of praise, but we also are reminded that it is a song of promise. That God gives us hope. He gives us a promise that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, and that things will work out. Though it took a long time for Jesus to come, Way back in Genesis chapter 3, God gives us the first glimpse of the Messiah. And then all through the Old Testament, God gives further glimpses and there's this development of who the Messiah would be and what his work would accomplish. But it would be 500 years or so roughly since those latest prophets until Jesus came. Now, if we wait five minutes in the drive-thru for our food, we get impatient, don't we? We're Banging our fingers, saying, Man, what on earth is going on? What has taken so long? So, not just five minutes, but 500 years. Holy smolians. And so, we can understand why those Jews of the first century were a little bit skeptical when Jesus said, I'm the one that the Scriptures talked about. Because they'd forgotten those Scriptures because they thought God had forgotten them. But God hadn't forgotten them. God was unfolding His time. And remember that God's timing is perfect. And God's timing is perfect, but God's timing is also not our timing. God knows what's best and he knows when it's best. But he says, listen, there'll there'll be this this promise. What's the promise? Well, the promise is that peace will come to earth. And goodwill to all men. Well, and about this time of year, most of us are a little bit more jolly and a little bit more generous and um, you know, maybe it's the partying and eggnog, or maybe the nog in the eggnog. or uh, But people are generally a little bit more jolly this time of year. But we all know there's not peace on this world. In fact, even in the area where Jesus was born, there's fighting even today. And so it wasn't that all of a sudden Jesus is here and things are going to just just like that get better. But it was a promise that peace would come. A promise that there would be goodwill toward men. That people would find God. Or perhaps more, that God would find them. And God is always chasing after us, by the way. Even when we're trying to run away from Him. David said it this way, God, where can I run and get away from you? If I go to the highest mountain, you're there. If I jump in the ocean and I swim till it's black as can be, darn it, you're there too. In other words, David saying, you can't get away from God. He's everywhere. And you can't run from Him. You can't hide from Him. The reality is that God knows everything about you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and yet He loves you anyway. And there's things that you want to try to hide from Him and you probably should hide from Him. And those things you should hide from, you shouldn't have done in the first place. But here's the thing. God already knows you did it. In fact, when you thought about doing it, God knew. And so you can't hide anything from God. And man, I don't know about you, but I've, I know some people have said, you know, I know that I need to get right with God, but there's no way God can forgive me for the things I've done. What a great lie Satan came up with when he came up with that one. Because the scripture says that Jesus paid our sin debt, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's not an asterisk that says unless you've committed this particular or that you've committed this many. No, there's not. Whosoever, when God says whosoever, that's exactly who He means. But you see, there God does promise that there would be peace. And there would be goodwill toward me. But you understand something. Peace and goodwill does not come from this world. The peace that comes from this world is peace only as long as it's convenient for the strongest part. And it's fleeting. There's not been really a time on earth, where there's not been war going on. People have been fighting. Because it's human nature for us to fight. But So, left to our own devices, we're only going to make war, and we're going to fight, and we're going to cause trouble. It is only by coming to know the Prince of Peace, whose name is Jesus, that peace can really come. Peter said it this way. He said it's a peace that surpasses understanding. A peace that doesn't make sense. But a peace that nonetheless you have it. And that's why this song is a song of promise. Because though the Prince of Peace came. And one day this world will be at peace because Jesus will come again and reign. But Jesus says, you know what? The peace that I'm talking about and that I'm more concerned about is a peace inside of you. So a peace that says no matter what's going on in this world, I'm okay. Because God is still God. And I don't know why these things happened. I don't know why this stuff's going on. But I know God is good. And I know that God's still in control. And that's all I need to know. And so when we come and we receive that great gift of salvation, that Savior that we talked about last week, there's a peace in our life. It's a peace with God, and that's the most important thing. It makes us right. With God, And it's not that we've earned it. It's not that we have to be good to keep. It's that God loves us so much that he said, I love you so much, I'm going to send the Savior, and he's going to shed his blood to pay your sin debt. What a marvelous promise. And so God says, listen, there's this song of praise, but there's also a song of promise. But then it also reminds us of a song of provision. Because you see, the angel said, yes, there's going to be peace, there's going to be goodwill. But again, and I already got a little ahead of myself, the only way that can happen is for the Prince of Peace to come and for the Prince of Peace to rule and reign in our lives. You remember the great uh, gospel Christmas verse from the Old Testament, Isaiah 9, 6. It says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who's this one that Isaiah was talking about? Well, it's this one that we read about this morning in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. It's this baby named Jesus. By God making the provision, by God sending a baby, He was going to show all mankind the way to come to Him. Remember, Jesus' whole life, when first time we meet Jesus... As a semi adult, as a teenager, he separated from his parents because he stayed at church when they left. And it was two or three days before they realized he was missing. They had lost the Son of God, the Savior that God had entrusted these two with. They lost him. They run back to Jerusalem and find him at the temple arguing with the, the preachers of the day. And he said, Where have you been, mister? And you remember his reply? And he wasn't being disrespectful when he said it. He said, Well, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? You didn't have to worry about me, in other words, he said I knew where I was. And I was busy doing God's work. The scriptures tell us of Jesus said he grew and he matured in stature. He grew physically and mentally, and it also says he grew in favor with God. That's hard because he was God. And he understood that, I think. He understood it early in his life. He knew also why he came. You see, Jesus was fully aware of who he was and why he came. And he was determined that he was going to accomplish that mission. Even when it was difficult. Even when those he thought were his friends left him and turned their backs on him. Even when Peter said to some strange, I don't even know that guy. You're mistaken. Jesus was faithful to go to the cross and shed his life to pay my sin debt and to pay your sin debt. And so in the Christmas story, the angels remind us that God has provided us a way to find salvation. That God has made this provision for us This provision for peace and goodwill. How can you have peace in life? And how can you give good? Can I tell you, you really cannot extend good to someone without God reigning in your heart? Lost people do good things occasionally. But they don't do things that have an eternal impact. And they don't do it, I have a sense of understanding that God is holy. And God has called us to be holy as well. And the only way for us to be holy, the only way for us to have peace, the only way for us to be able to extend goodwill to men, to people on earth, is through the principle. And so the songs that we sing at Christmas all point us and remind us of the Savior that came. And the promise that came. That we have a song that we can sing. A song that these angels cannot sing. It's a song that only the redeemed can sing. The scriptures say that there is this song. It is a song that only comes by knowing that you once were blind, that you deserve to spend eternity in hell, that your life is darkness and empty, and yet God offers you peace, and God offers you fullness, and God offers you new life. And that's something worth saying. And so if there's anybody that ought to be able to lift up their voice and shout and sing praises to God, it ought to be God's people. And if you've been saved today, regardless of what's going on in your life, you have a song to sing because of what God has done in your life. So I'm thankful for the Christmas story. How it reminded us one of those... It's kind of like those Hallmark stories. If you've seen one, you've pretty much seen all of them. And yet, we continue to watch them every year. And they continue to make new ones every year. And we watch those. And we say... This is what's going to happen. I tell Leslie after about 20 minutes, I say, "All right, this is what's going to happen. This guy's going to do this, and this girl's going to do this." And you know what? An hour later, it happens just like I said it was going to. Not because I'm omnipotent and omniscient; only God is those things. But because I've seen one Hallmark movie, I know how they turn out. And on the very rare occasion, and there have been a couple, they, the writers don't understand the rules. And they don't end like they're supposed to, and it makes me mad. And I tell it, I say, that's not how this boring story is supposed to go. But why do we keep doing that? Why do we keep watching? It? Why do we keep reading the Christmas story over and over again? And listen, it should be alive to you and new every year. You already know what happens. And yet it should be alive to you, and it should excite you. And listen, can I tell you, why? Because of what God has done in your life. And because of the peace and goodwill that you have in your life. And can I tell you, if you're not excited about what God has done in your life, why would any lost person want God to come into their life? If he's not made a difference in those that claim to already have him in theirs. Why on earth would I want to do that? As a child of God, remember that we have a song that God gave us as a gift. The song of praise and a song of promise and a song of provision. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. God, thank you for the song that you put in our heart when you save us. God, even if we can't carry a tune in the bucket, we can still make a joyful noise to the Lord, and you receive glory and honor from that, and you're so happy to get it and receive it. it. It thrills you when God's people praise you. Lord, remind us that we're to sing, that we're to have peace and goodwill, not from the things of this world, but because Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life. Because the great gift of a Savior came 2,000 years ago that whosoever would call upon Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Because the Prince of Peace came to bring peace. And that Prince of Peace is the only source this world has to find real, lasting, eternal peace. Lord, if there's one here today or one watching on the Internet that's never received that free gift, Today, would you help them to receive the greatest Christmas gift the world would ever know? Would you help them to come to know forgiveness, a new life? May they come to know a new song. Because they've met the Lord, the Prince of Peace and King of Kings. That came born in the little town of Bethlehem. God, may we as your people never cease to praise you. May we constantly remember the promise that you give us. And may we constantly remember the provision that you've given, that you've provided the, the way to salvation, because it's the only way. We can't earn our salvation. We can't save ourselves. But you can. You provided that way to peace. Lord, help us to walk down that path. And help us to bring others along that path with us. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Friend, let's stand together. We're going to sing a hymn in invitation of gospel to your heart, and there's a decision you need to make today. What a great way to celebrate Christmas than to receive the greatest gift that the world would ever know.